collecting envelopes and, and fill that out. Drop it in the, the offering place before you leave. Uh, you can also give online or through text that's on the screen. Uh, it's also on that offering envelope as well if you'd like to give uh, digitally as well. So thank you for giving uh, as we just increase and expand God's kingdom because that's what we believe. We believe that every dollar that comes in, let's use it to reach people. Let's use it to reach uh, Aberdeen. Let's use it to reach our communities. Let's use it to reach this world. And so we're praying and believing that, that God is going to do great things this year in 2023. Uh, he's done so much in 2022, and we are looking ahead and believing for bigger and, and greater things. We believe that the best is yet to come. And uh, so I'm excited next week for our celebration service, our celebration Sunday. Uh, we've got many of your testimonies that you, that you guys shared of what God did in your life in 2022. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of people on the platform just kind of getting to share a little bit more in depth about what God has, has done in their life. Because, you know, we, we run a lot of programs at, here at church. But the reason why we, we do a lot of programs and, and outreaches is all about seeing God change people's lives. That, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's all about seeing people's lives uh, get reached and get, get changed. And, and so that's what we're going to be celebrating next week. So I so hope uh, that you join us. Uh, join us for the business meeting afterwards. Again, if you're a non-member and you'd still like to attend, come talk to me uh, so we can get you signed up to make sure we've got enough food and, and we can kind of show you what's, what's going on over there. Uh, also, one of the, the big important uh, business notes that we'll be handling next week that we'll be voting on is is appointing two new uh deacon board members and so we just ask that you be in prayer about that this week uh we have the names posted out there uh they are jeff katrin doug mucky and don Schatz are our nominees this year so be praying uh those are our three nominees but we've got two roles to fill for our deacon board member um so please be uh praying again if you forget you can go check out the 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 post that we've got out on the bulletin board uh, today. And uh, so we let's be praying for that, uh, that God will have the, the right people and the right leadership to continue uh, to move us in the direction that he wants us to go as a church. I'll believe him for that. Well, today, uh, I'm excited because we are continuing our series. Thank you so much, Talent. Uh, we are continuing our series called Simple. Simple, and I've enjoyed this because it's, you know, just been a really easy series. Uh, we, we like to complicate things, right? We like to complicate things, but sometimes we complicate them so much that we just get lost in the weeds and in all the details and all of the planning. But, but God has made salvation simple. He's made following him simple. We're the ones who like to mess things up. So we've looked at a few questions over the, the past few weeks this month. We looked at how do I experience breakthrough? Right? We all want to experience breakthrough. We all want to experience victory in our life. How do we do that? And we found out the answer was simple. Prayer. Having a consistent prayer life uh, leads to breakthrough. Uh, the next question we looked at is, how do I win at being a Christian? How do I win? We know how to win at a lot of different things in life, but how do we win at being a Christian? How do we achieve greatness in Christianity? And the answer was simple. We don't like it. It was uh, countercultural, but the answer was simple. We achieve greatness. We, we win as Christians by being humble. Humility was the simple answer. If we want to be the greatest, we have to be the least. We may not like it, but the answer is simple. Last week, we looked at how do I follow God's rules? We get so caught up in, I got to do this, I got to do A, B, C, and D, all the way down the list. We saw the 613 different commandments in the Old Testament, and it can be overwhelming. How do we follow all of these? And Jesus broke it down very simply. Uh, you could use one word, love. Instead of trying to follow all the rules, you just love, you just love God 
and you love people and everything's going to fall into place. You're going to follow all those rules perfectly as you love God and as you love people. So those are the questions we've been looking at. And we're going to be looking at a, at a new question today when, uh, in relating to heaven, right? Who here today wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Anybody want to go to heaven? Yeah. I think at the heart of it all, we all want to go to heaven. You could survey this entire world, and probably 95% of people will say, yeah, I want to go to heaven. And if you really shook them down, 100% of people would say, yes, I would love to go to heaven. Uh, let me give you a little description of what heaven is like in Revelation chapter 21. It will be on the screen. Verse 1 describes heaven this way. Uh, John is, is writing this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Right? How many of you are looking forward to heaven? I mean, heaven is so exciting. I, I like in here, it describes heaven as a place where there's, there's no more tears. God wipes away our tears. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. How many of you have had enough of death and sorrow and tears and heartache? Right? I am looking forward to the day when, when we are in heaven and there's no more of that. That God has conquered sin. He's conquered death and destruction and all these different things and we're not going to have to worry about that anymore in fact he, he declares i am making all things new we are going to be new you're not going to have to worry about that hip not working anymore right you're going to be able to walk and run in freedom we're going to be with people uh who who encourage each other who love one another and the best part of it all the best part of heaven it's not the golden streets or the pearly gates or the eternal life part, the best part it says in here, that God will dwell with his people. It says there's not going to be day or night anymore. We won't need a sun because God dwells among us. He is the light. And we get to be with him. We get to be in his presence every single day. That is for eternity. That is what heaven is. Heaven is being in the full presence of God. Dwelling with him. That is the definition of heaven. Forget all the cool stuff. We get to be with God. We get to be with our maker. So the question that we are asking today isn't, you know, we all want to get into heaven. But the question we're asking today is, how do you get into heaven? Right? How do I get into heaven? That is a question that many have pondered throughout the centuries. And we've come up with a lot of different answers for that. See, because heaven is an elite place. Right? It, it feels very exclusive. The, the better something is, it feels like the more exclusive that we make uh, items in our world. And so heaven is, is top notch. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But we have been taught growing up in, in our society that the more elite a place is, the better you have to be to get into that place. Right? The, the more the higher achievement level you have to get in. Take, for example, uh, one of our most prestigious universities in America, Harvard University, right? To get into Harvard University, I, I was doing some research. Here's what you need to have. 
you need to have an ACT score of 34 or higher. And that's out of 36 is a perfect score. So you need to have that. Uh, you need to graduate with a GPA of 3.9 or higher on a four-point scale. You need to also graduate in the top 5% of your class if you want to get into Harvard. Anybody qualified here yet? We good? Or you don't need to raise your hand. Uh, and you have to do all of these. You have to achieve all these while taking the hardest classes that your high school has to offer. Right? You can't get by on home ec and woodshop class. Right? You've got to be taking the AP classes and, and the honors classes and still get those good grades. Uh, you need four years of a foreign language. You need consistent extracurricular activity. So you can't just dedicate all your time to school. You, you've got to be in sports or, or clubs. Uh, not only that, you need to be involved in your community, uh, doing community service. Uh, you need, on top of that, you need a strong recommendation. Right? You need somebody out there to vouch for you, to just sing your praises to the school. And then many times you have to have an interview with a Harvard alumni, and you've got to knock that out of the park if you want to get in. Now, even if you do all this, and you pass all, you've got the grade point average, you, you, you've got the test scores, you've got the interview. Even if you do all of this, it does not guarantee that you will get accepted and have the pleasure of paying $80,000 for your education for the next four years right? Uh, because out of every 100 applications that get turned in, less than five get accepted because it's elite, right? We can't just accept anybody in here. We've got to make it difficult. This is a, a, a hard place to get into. So that's the way we kind of view our society. That's the kind of way we view heaven. The more elite something is, we think the harder it is to get in, the, the more requirements, the higher the achievement level. And so that's the way we view heaven. Because heaven is so great, because heaven is so wonderful, it must take a lot of hard work to get into heaven. You know, every religion in the world uh, has some form of, of heaven or, or paradise, uh, an afterlife that they view as desirable. And every religion in the world has achievement levels that you need to be able to get in. Because, again, we, we think, hey, this favorable afterlife, this idea of heaven, you have to achieve it. You have to, to get there. And so let me just scroll through it. Buddhism, right? Buddhism says that you have to master eight paths, uh, which include speaking, acting, and living in the right manner. And with the right intention, so not just doing the right things, but having a, a pure motive behind it. And that's the way you reach their form of heaven called nirvana. You have to master all eight paths. Confucianism says you've got to have the appropriate behavior. So you've got to live right. And you've got to live in honor and respect in order to receive a favorable afterlife. Hinduism says you've got to rid yourself of all the bad karma out there. Right, that's your goal. And the way you do that is you have to, to pick a God or a series of gods to devote yourself to in service in order to free yourself from that cycle of reincarnation. In Islam, Islam, they believe that our life is, is on a scale and, and that you have to, in order to reach paradise, your good deeds have to outweigh your, your bad deeds. So many, in order to add extra good deeds on there, they recite prayers or they fast or they go on pilgrimages uh, or they perform good works in hopes uh, of tipping the scales of their life. They also kind of have a, a cheat code to a, a surefire way to get in is, is through martyrdom in, in service of Allah is the, the guarantee way to reach paradise in the Islam religion. For Jehovah's Witnesses, 
uh, they believe that only 144,000 people uh, are worthy to receive salvation. Only 144,000 are able to get in. Only 9,000 on earth currently are able to have a chance to earn salvation. But if you're not one of the chosen few, there is still a path for you. If you work hard enough, if you witness enough, if you knock on enough doors, right? Anybody even knocked on the doors by Jehovah's Witnesses? If you knock on enough doors uh, and you, you do everything correctly, then you will have the opportunity to be resurrected during the millennial reign uh, of Christ. And then if you live those thousand years well, you will have a chance to earn salvation. In Mormonism, uh, they have many different levels of, of heaven and, and achievement. Uh, but to achieve the ultimate goal, the highest heaven, one must believe in God, they must believe in Jesus, they must repent of sins, they must be baptized in the church, they must be a member of the Latter-day Saints Church, uh, they've got to receive the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, they must obey the Mormon word of wisdom and all God's commandments and complete temple rituals, including marriage. And when you do all of this, they say not only will you reach the highest heaven, but you will be a God yourself. That, that's what they believe. Scientology says salvation is achieved through knowledge of oneself and of the universe. And once you reach a certain level, uh, once you've accomplished all that you can, you will have complete control of thought, life, matter, energy, space, and time. Lastly, universalism says you can believe in whatever afterlife you'd like to. You can just pick. And you can make whatever achievement levels you want to, and you will achieve whatever you want because we're just universal. You believe in whatever. So th those are the different levels, but everybody says... These are the levels you need in order to obtain heaven. This is what you need to do. You, you need to pray. You need to think. You need to do. You need to act. You need to be a certain way. Even in Christianity throughout the years. You know, Christianity, you know, Jesus is the founder of Christianity, but it's been led by, by people, by humanity. And we don't always get things right. And we, we like to veer off the course. And we like to make things elite. We like to make things exclusive. So even in, in some of our own uh, different denominations and different sects, you look at uh, the Eastern Orthodox. They believe that salvation comes through works. And if you don't advance far enough, you are put into an intermediate state when you die. Where your family and friends would need to pray enough and do enough uh, acts of mercy on your behalf in order for you to make it into heaven. Uh, traditionally in Roman Catholicism, uh, they at one time said that you have to be a member of the Roman Catholic Church in order to receive salvation. That's the only way. And in order to become a member of the Roman Catholic Church, you, you had to go through a long process of classes and rituals and, and baptism in order to make it in. And, and if you didn't do enough good works, if you didn't make it completely in, you would go to a place similar to uh, the Orthodox. You would go to purgatory and people could help pay offering so that your, your family could pay enough to get you out of there, to lessen your, your punishment or, or pray enough in order to get you into heaven. So we've put so many rules and we've put so many laws and, and so many expectations to get into heaven. We all want to go to heaven, but how do we do it? Which way is correct? Do you need to do more good things? Do you need to pay somebody? Do you need to donate to somebody? Do you need to stop doing the bad things? Do you need to change your thinking and meditate more? Do you need to go to church enough? Do you need to tell people about Jesus enough? Do you need to read your Bible enough? Do you need to get baptized? What, what is the qualifications to get into heaven? So if you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, you might be thinking, man, this sure seems really complicated. 
Because we've made things really complicated, but I believe the answer to how to get into heaven is very, very simple. It's so simple that a lot of people don't like it, but we're going to preach it this morning. The simple way to get into heaven, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to start with, with, verse, with verse 1. It says this, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Let's pause there for a few moments. We'll, we'll get to the, the simple answer here in just a minute. But first, let me tell you some great news about how to get into heaven. You ready for this? You are not good enough to get into heaven. All right? Isn't that great news? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough, right? None of us is good enough to get into heaven. Now, why is that great news? Why do I, why do I say that? Because it, it, technically, it is great news that we aren't good enough. Because here's, here's what, you can give up your pursuit on trying to earn your way into heaven. You're going to fail. You're, you're not going to make it. It is impossible for you to earn your way into heaven. It's impossible for you to give enough, to do enough good works, to be kind enough, uh, to know the right people. It, it's impossible for you to get into heaven. So you can, you, you can stop, stop worrying about it, stop chasing that, right? But it also tells us, it also tells us that you can't get into heaven based on merit. So that means every person, whether you're uh, sitting in the front row today or in the back of the pew, has the same opportunity to get into heaven. Everyone. It, it doesn't matter uh, whether you are the kindest person in the world or you are a murderer on death row. You have the same opportunity to get into heaven. Whether you have billions of dollars or you're living in poverty today, you have the same opportunity. Uh, whether you can quote the book of Romans or you've never opened up the Bible in your life, you have the same opportunity to get into heaven. Whether you've sinned a couple times or a million times, you have the same opportunity to get in heaven because none of us can earn our way into heaven. None of us is good enough. We're all deserving of wrath. You don't have what it takes to get into heaven. Isn't this encouraging this morning? I mean, just, just soak that in. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough, right? So we can't sit here today and play the comparison game of, well, I'm better than them. Well, I, I don't sin as bad as them. We, we, don't, we can't play that comparison game because none of us is good enough. So if you're sitting there thinking today, I'm just the worst, God can't save me, I can't do it. No, we're all the worst. We are all the worst, no matter how cleaned up or how good we try to pretend we have it. We are all the worst. So let's, let's go back. Let's take it back to the beginning. We, we mentioned this last week. I'm talking about creation in Genesis chapter 1. Right? God created the world, and he created it perfect. I mean, he created it good. He, he made uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he looked and he said, this is good. Right? He, he created the, the earth, the land, and the, the sea, and the air, and he says, this is, this is good. He created the, the fish, and the birds, and the land animals, and he looked and he said, this is good. But, but then he created humans in a way he didn't create anybody else. He, he created us in his image. He gave us a mind to think. He gave us free will. And he looks at us and he says, this is very good. We are God's most precious creation. So he created Adam. 
right out of the dust of the earth. He breathed the breath of life in, into Adam. And, and, and he took a rib from Adam and he created a woman. He created Eve and he placed them in the garden of Eden. He, cra- he placed them in this, this perfect garden that had everything they needed to survive. And, and really that garden is, is a glimpse of what heaven is like because that is a place where God dwelled with his people. It was perfect. God, God dwelled with Adam and Eve. I mean, this was heaven. This was perfect. And again, he gave them free will. So he, he told them, you, you can do whatever you like here, but there's one rule. You can eat from any tree in the garden except this one, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't eat off that one. Right? So he, he gave them this, this free will, and, and he dwelt with them, and it, and it was perfect. Until one day, Adam and Eve made a decision that would forever change history. They broke the one rule that God had given them. And they decided to eat from that forbidden tree of the forbidden fruit. And it was in that moment that they decided to make their own rules. Rather than obey God's rules, they they tried to be like God and, and make the rules. They sinned. They sinned, and sin entered the world through that time. Can you imagine how God felt in that moment? I, I don't know. He, he doesn't experience feelings probably the way we experience feelings. But imagine your creation, your perfect creation that you, that you made in your own image, that you crafted in your own image, that you loved, that you gave them everything they could possibly want, and they break the one rule that you give them. It would be like raising your kid. You, you love your kid. You, you, you've taken care of your kid. You've, you've helped them to grow. You've discipled them. You, you've taught them so many things. And then one day they grow up and just say, ah, forget you, Mom. Forget you, Dad. I don't care about you anymore. And they reject you, and they don't want to talk to you anymore just because they found something else that seems more exciting. Right? The, the heartache associated with that. But God's creation turned on him. I can't imagine what that would be like. His, his masterpiece decided to take over and do their own thing. Can you imagine if you spent, I don't know, millions of dollars on a famous painting, you know, a Da Vinci, a a Rembrandt, a a Michelangelo, you know, something really famous, a masterpiece, right? Think about that. And you brought the canvas home and you decided, you know what, this is nice, but I'm tired of staring at it. I'm going to paint over it because I want to practice my stick figure drawings, Right? That's kind of what we do when we sin. We say, God, you made us your masterpiece. You, you made us perfect. You, you, you put all this special detail, I mean, down to the, the atomic level, God. You, you planned it out. You even, you even gave us a perfect path. I mean, you are God's masterpiece, right? He looked at you and he said, you are very good. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't mess up. He, he gave you a plan. You are the way you are because God created you that way, right? You are perfect in his sight. But yet we say, hold on, God. I know I'm your masterpiece, but let me, let me do this. I got this. Right? I know you gave me these, these rules and these laws to help me and protect me, but I want to make my own. I want to make my own. And when we do that, we, we sin. When we go off of what, uh, away from God's will and we start trying to do our own, it's, it's like covering over that masterpiece and saying, I, I could, I'll, let me take the paintbrush. Let me do this, God. We're disobedient. We follow our own way. We think we know better. And we reject our creator. And what happens next in our life is frightening. When we allow sin to enter our lives, when we think we know better, it says in verse 1 of this passage that we are dead in our transgressions. 
We're dead in our sin. You may look alive today, but let me assure you, again, some positive things. You are dead. You are slowly dying because of the sin in our lives. You know, the, the cell phone that you carry in your pocket, right? It's kind of a masterpiece when you think about it, of all the little details and wires that are connected in there. I, I know many of you would probably be scared if you ever had to open up your cell phone and, and fix it, right? Because it's just so detailed. It's, it, how, how do you do that? How did all these things get in? I mean, it's a, it's a masterpiece, that, that little cell phone. I mean, think of all the devices that your cell phone replaced. Think about it. In your, in your pocket, you have a camera, a camcorder, a radio, an entire library of books, a calculator, a recorder, a GPS, a flashlight, a level, a scanner, a compass, a video game system, an alarm clock, a watch, a timer, a calendar, a notepad, newspaper, phone book, remote control, wallet, TV, and of course, a phone, right? And there's probably many more things that you got in there. That, that phone in your pocket has 100,000 times more processing power than the computer we use to put a man on the moon all contained in your pocket. It's, it's a masterpiece. But what's funny is if you take it away and you take the charger away from your phone, within 24 hours, it turns into a hunk of junk, right? It's worthless except for a paperweight if it doesn't have any power, if it doesn't have any, any battery, right? And the same is true of us. We are a work of art. We are a masterpiece. God calls you his creation. However, when we sin, it's like taking us away from the charger cord. It's taking us away from the power and never plugging us back in. And we are on a slow, inevitable path towards destruction, towards death. We are dead in our transgressions. We are dead in our sin. You know, we like to rank our sin. We like to say, well, that, that person's, you know, he's, he's more of a class A sinner. I'm more of a class D sinner. You know, he's got the felony charge. I've just got a misdemeanor. But in God's eyes, sin's sin. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter the, the greatness of our sin. We are all sinners. There is no one righteous, not even one. That's what the Bible says. We are all sinners. And it says like the rest in verse, I believe it's verse 4, it says like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Because the penalty for sin is, is death. See, the punishment for sin is separation from God. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned, their punishment was they were banished from the garden. They could no longer dwell with God because God was holy. And his holiness doesn't allow sin to be in his presence. And, and so they were banished from the garden and, and, and banished to, to this life of, of misery, banished from God's presence, his perfect holiness. When we sin, the same thing happens to us. We are put on a path of destruction. We are deserving of wrath. No matter the level uh, of effort that we put in, uh, the Bible calls that, that place the absence of God's presence. It calls it hell. And that's what we're destined for. That's what we're deserving of when we sin. So how do we overcome sin? How, how do we get into heaven? Because again, none of us is good enough. None of us is good enough. And you can see from all these other religions how we as humans have tried to come up with ways to overcome our own sinfulness, right? We try to make the good outweigh the bad, and we think that's going to be enough. We try to change our thinking, and we think that that's going to be enough. We, we try to take control. We, we, we try to do everything right, and we think that that's going to be good enough. 
We put our bodies through punishment, hoping that, that God will see that sacrifice. We, we try to pay money and give of our resources, and we think if we just give enough away that, that, that God will look on it favorably and, and we can get in. We try to make sacrifices, hoping it will be enough. But it's never enough. We always come up short. We can never work hard enough, pray hard enough, sacrifice enough, pay enough to overcome the sin that's bringing us to death and destruction. But I have some good news. There's a verse, yeah, verse 4. We read through the verse 3. Verse 4 starts with these two amazing words. But God. But God, check this out. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, today I get to share with you the greatest news. The greatest news today. You may feel worthless. You may feel dead in your sin. You may feel like you are the worst sinner among us. You, you may feel like nothing is working. You may have run out of hope. You may have run out of answers. You may have tried everything else and it fails. It doesn't bring you joy. You may have even tried other religions and, and tried their way to get into heaven. But let me tell you this. But God loves you. But God loves you. That's it. It's simple. God loves you. And he's never going to stop loving you, even when you're dead, even when you're dead in your trespasses, even when you're dead in your sin, even, even when you've got all these different things that are weighing you down, you've turned your back, but God still loves you. See, he's not like you and me. When somebody turns their back on us, we get bitter, we get angry, we seek revenge, we shut that person out. But when we turn our back on God, on God, he doesn't stop loving us. He still cares for us. He desires to be with us. So again, the question, how do we get into heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but how do we get in? It's not by good works. It's not by kindness or thinking right or paying enough or following the rules. It's simple. Grace. For it is by grace that you are saved. Grace. Grace is how we get into heaven. That took a while to get there, but we're here now. Grace is how you get into heaven. So what is grace? What is grace? Grace uh, simply is this. It's something good that we didn't deserve. Grace is something good that's given to us that we did not deserve. Grace is the only way into heaven. Because again, for it is by grace you have been saved. It says that when we're dead in our, in our trespasses, that God made us alive, right? When we unplugged ourselves from the charger, God plugged us back in, and he made us alive through Jesus, through Christ uh, not only that, but it says that he seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. So how do we get in? Our ticket to heaven, our way in is through Jesus, through faith in Jesus. Because think about this. Think about what Jesus did for us. God sent his one and only son, he sent Jesus down to this earth to live a perfect life. He did everything right. He, he didn't sin. He wasn't worthy of death. He wasn't worthy of destruction. He wasn't worthy of God's wrath. But yet Jesus voluntarily said, I'm going to go to the cross. 
And when he did that, he took on the sin of all of us. Our sin put him on that cross. And he paid the ultimate price. He died. Taking our place, taking our punishment, because we were worthy of wrath, but yet Jesus took that wrath for us. And he died on the cross and he rose again so that he could offer us grace. So that he could offer us a way into heaven. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. It's not by works, so no one can boast, but it's only through Jesus. It's only through grace. That's how we get into heaven. It's grace. John 14, 6, uh, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's no other religion. It's, it's no achievement level. It's through Jesus. Acts 4.12 echoes the same thing. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Only through Jesus. He's the only way in. There's no back door into heaven. Uh, there, there's no special VIP into heaven. It's only through Jesus. It's only through grace. And the best part about grace is it's free. It's free. He offers it freely. It doesn't matter what you've done, whether you're a murderer, whether you're a liar, an exploiter, a predator, a cheat, a thief, an adulterer. Grace is free. He loves us. Worship team, would you, would you come? I've asked our, our, our team today to uh, prepare a, just a special song for you because I think the words in this song are very, very powerful. The song is simply called Uncomplicated. Because we like to complicate things, right? We like to complicate grace. We like to think, oh, I've got to do so much. I've got to clean myself up before I come to church. I, I, I've got to have everything right. I've got to get my thinking right. I've got to get my, my life in order before Jesus, before I'm worthy of Jesus accepting me. Well, like we talked about today, you're not worthy. You never will be. You'll never be good enough to get into heaven. Stop trying to pursue that. Instead, let's live the path Jesus has planned out for us through grace through this free gift. We didn't deserve Jesus to go to the cross for us. We didn't deserve for him to die for us and take our place, but yet he did. And all we need to do is reach out and receive it today. That's all we need to do. So today, here's, here's what I want us to do. We're, the worship team's gonna just sing this song. You can, you can stay seated, but I just want you to, to meditate on the words of this song, to allow this to, to penetrate your, your heart, your spirit today lets you know that that Jesus simply loves you not because you earned it not because you're anything special but because you are God's craftsmanship you are created by God and for that fact and that fact alone you are loved by God it's not through your actions it's not through what you do but it's through who God made you to be you are simply loved worship team would you lead us there's a Simplicity, humility, to the way you love me, an honesty, a purity, God, you make it easy, no special words or formulas could ever win you over, for your love is undeserved. Somehow. 
words to that song. Your love's uncomplicated. You love us just the way we are. We'll never fully understand that. But it's the truth. He loves us just the way we are. It's called grace. We don't deserve it. But he gives it to us. I demonstrate for you a moment this morning what grace is. Is there anybody here you say, um, you want $20? Anybody raise your hand? You'd like 20 bucks? Got it right here. Sam, you want 20 bucks? Come on down, Sam. You're the first hand I saw. You weren't shy. You wanted $20. Now, Sam, this 20 bucks here, right? Uh, let me ask you this. still want that 20 bucks? Yes. You stepped on it. Yes. Are you sure? I'm sure. I mean, it's dirty now. It's okay. Okay. How about this? You still want this 20 bucks? I do. But why? I, I crumpled it up. It's it's not perfect and pristine anymore. It's not very nice. Do you still want this, this 20 bucks? I do. It's still 20 bucks. Okay. want this 20 bucks, Sam? I do. That's gross. A little more now, actually. It's, it's a little, you want a little bit more now. Well, Sam, for coming on up here, I'll give you the clean one. Here, here's 20 bucks. Thank you. Give it up for Sam. Thank you. Now that, that shows us grace in a couple different ways. The, the first one is this. You are God's workmanship. That's what it says in verse 10. You are God's craftsmanship. You know, no matter what we do to this 20 bucks, you can crinkle it up, you can stomp on it, you can throw it in the trash, you can spit on it. But at the end of the day, its value is still 20 bucks. It may not look very good, but it will still purchase the same amount. And that's how God looks at us. We may get stepped on. We may get called names. We, we may crinkle fit some things up. We may get thrown in the trash. We, we may mess up this perfect creation that God has given, but he looks at you and he doesn't see your value in the condition that you're in. Your value doesn't come from your condition. Your value comes because of who made you. Your value comes because you are a work of art. You are God's masterpiece. He handcrafted you. And that was, that's what makes you valuable. You can try to mess it up, but your value doesn't change. You're still worth it all to God. And the second reason why that defines grace is this. You know, Sam, he didn't do anything to earn that 20 bucks. He didn't do anything. It was, it was a free gift. He, he didn't work for it, but it was a gift that I offered. But you know what? I offered it to everybody in this room, but only Sam accepted it. Only he reached out and said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that 20 bucks. I'll take that gift. And it's the same way with God's grace. His grace is there for everyone. He offers it to everyone. But it's up to us to reach out and accept it, to accept that gift. Because it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's how we accept the gift is through faith, through believing in Jesus, 
through believing that Jesus came and that he died and through believing him in every day and, and believing, God, I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I believe that your way is better than my way. And I, I've tried to paint this painting. I've tried to go down this road. But man, mine just turn out like stick figures. Mine turn out the wrong direction. But God, you make a masterpiece. So God, I'm going to follow you. That's how we accept. That's how we get into heaven. Through having faith in Jesus is through his grace. It's the only way. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to accept grace. To, to accept grace. For some of you, it may be the first time you've ever accepted God's grace before. You, you've been living your own way for all these years, or you've turned your back on God. And, and today is the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to accept God's grace. I'm going to walk in it. And it's a gift it's, that you don't deserve, but it's the only way to heaven. We all want to get into heaven, but are you willing to accept God's grace today? Because that is the only way in. For some of you today, you've accepted God's grace, but you just needed a reminder that God simply loves you. God simply loves you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, to work so hard. You've been trying to complicate grace. You've, you've received grace, but now you're trying to earn it. You're trying to show that you're worthy of it. You're still not worthy of it. But God loves you anyways. He loves you in your condition. And it's when we allow him to love us and just accept that grace and to stop trying to do everything that he shows us a perfect way, a perfect path, right? It says that he gives us grace so that he can show us more grace in that passage. He just wants to keep giving you more and more grace every day. He wants to give you more and more gifts that you haven't earned or deserved, but he gives it to you because he loves you, because he's a good father and he cares for his children. So today, whether you've never received his grace or, or you're walking in his grace every day, there's more for you. There's more grace that God wants to pour out on your life. How do we get into heaven? Simple, God's grace. So this morning, would, would everybody in this room, would you close your eyes, would you bow your head in and I, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Maybe you're in that first group today. You say, you know what? I, I want to receive God's grace today. I want to receive his mercy because I have messed this thing up and I want to get my life back on the right track. I want to go to heaven. And if that's you today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray. I want to, I'm excited for what God wants to do. Today, is there anybody in here you'd say, I, I want to receive God's grace for the first time or I've turned my back and I want to receive his grace again because I need salvation in my life. I need to make my way to heaven. Is there anybody here? You just raise your hand. You catch my eye. You say, I want to go to heaven. Thank you. Thank you. In the balcony, is there anybody? Thank you. Thank you. today, maybe you're in this place, and you just need to be reminded of God's love for you, but you don't have to work so hard, but you just need to live in His grace and His love. Today, I want to give you that opportunity as well, and here's, here's how I want us to respond today. Let's, let's come to this altar. We're, we're going to sing this, this song again. The worship team's going to lead us in just a moment. When they do, I want you to come find a place at this altar. 
and just allow God to remind you of his grace. If you raise your hand and you said, I want to receive grace for the first time, I want to experience God, then today we're going to have our prayer team. They're going to be down here on the on the right side, right, right in front of our, our keyboard over here. And, and they, want, they want to pray with you. They want to give you a Bible if you don't have one, uh, give you a little next steps of what, what to do next, and, and, and just be excited with you. So let's, let's pray together. If, if you want to receive Christ today for the first time, then I just want you to pray in your own words as I pray. It, it's simple, just saying, God, I believe. I believe that you uh, came and that you died and you rose again. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to have faith in you today. So let's just pray this. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. God, we thank you that your grace is not just for the elites or for the elect or for those who earn it. It is for all. Your desire is that none should perish, but all that would have eternal life. But Lord, we, we can't earn it ourselves. So we come to the feet of Jesus. And, and God, we believe. We believe that you died and that you rose again. God, we believe that you have a better way than our own. And so God, I, I pray that you would guide us, that you would be our Lord, that you would be our Savior. God, that you would forgive us us on the right path. For those of us, God, who we've accepted your grace, but God, we, we could kind of forgot about it. God, we believe you've got new grace for us. God, we believe that your love is simple. You love us just the way we are. Be with us today. Show us your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, would you stand with me? We're going to go back into the song again. If you responded, you responded to that first call. You said, hey, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to receive grace. Our prayer team is going to be right down here. And, and so I want you just to come down, and uh, they're going to pray with you. Believe in you. Everybody else, if you just say, I just need more of God's grace in my life, find a place at this altar and just allow God to speak to you. Let's flood this place together.
thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace. We don't deserve it, God. We're unworthy. We're unholy. We've messed things up. We haven't listened. We haven't followed. But God, you, you filled the gap. You've made a way. You've paid the price. For that, we are forever grateful. Lord, thank you for your grace. God, may every day we walk in your grace. May we not try to walk in works, trying to do things or accomplish things, but God, may, may daily we receive your grace and walk in your mercy and be reminded of your love, your unconditional love. Thank you so much for meeting us at these altars, for changing our hearts today. Thank you for your grace. Lord, be with us as we go from this place and that we would again walk in your grace every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I encourage you to take some more time just to be in the presence of God. To let him remind you how much he loves you. Have an incredible week, church.